Welcome to the F1 Funcast, your home to connect, discuss, learn, and share all things Formula One. Here are your hosts, James Messer. Next weekend, or this weekend, or whenever. And the crew chief, Connor Gagnon. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. So without wasting another tenth of a second, here's the show. Welcome back, everybody. I've got uh, good news here that you're not listening to just me today. I've got the crew chief over here with me talking Formula One on this uh, bye week of the race week here on the F1 Funcast. But uh, I know I've been giving my thoughts out there on a couple of little quick pods this weekend, and I I thought it was time we get Connor on here to uh, give us a more official look at what happened in Spain, what's going to happen in Canada, and everything in between in the world of Formula One. So, Connor, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be back. Uh, sorry again for the hiatus. Last week was crazy busy for me. Um, but I was able to have a fantastic Sunday of racing. Um, got to watch the Formula One race in Barcelona and then the Indy GP in Detroit. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of good racing all throughout the day, which is always what you want. It was another nice weekend of racing, wasn't it? We've had two in a row now, I feel like. With uh, the Indy 500 and Monaco last week, and then this weekend was a lot of fun too. So, good stuff right now. Good stuff going on in the world. Yeah, race. absolutely. I, I I like when the two open wheel disciplines, the two big like the premier open wheel dis- open wheel disciplines share a weekend because it's kind of like back to back, especially here because you know you have the Formula One race in the morning and then early afternoon after a quick break you have the IndyCar race. Well, You're like oh. Fantastic. I was going to ask you about that. If they tend to try to go on opposite weekends of each other, or if it's usually like that, because I really enjoy the the back to back and the full day. Um, it kind of makes it feel like a football Sunday or something, where you've got games at one o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock. <laughs> you know, you've got races all day. I like it, but I don't. Do they try to not go up against each other, or is that the normal? Um, no. It usually, it usually is just the way that the schedule coincides. I mean, you're in two completely different time zones two hemispheres of the planet so i mean sure sure it's it's probably somewhat aligned but i don't think that they really like talk to each other and say hey we'll have this race at this time and this day and you know go back and forth about that kind of thing right or if they yeah you can't be afraid of uh, going head to head with your competition you know so no absolutely not so what did you think what were your big um takeaways heading into uh, the weekend in Barcelona and then coming out of the weekend in Barcelona, how did you feel about what we saw transpire there? Well, going in, I was anticipating seeing the different upgrades on the car. Ferrari brought new side pods. They initially tried to kind of like, I think they, it was an honest mistake, but it looked like they were trying to trick people when they bring their cars out on Friday and all the teams have to bring their car out to show the new upgrades and stuff like that. Um, so everybody can get a look and they brought the old side pods out and then they were like, oops. And then brought the, the car that had the new side pods as if they were trying to trick people, you know, a little gamesmanship. Um, Yeah. 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 A little bit of gamesmanship. And it was nice to see Mercedes had a, a good, strong weekend with their new side pods. And I think that that was definitely a good step in the right direction for them. Uh, as for Ferrari, uh, not really as, 
good of a step in the right direction. Leclerc stu struggled in his opening stint with the hards. He couldn't get the fronts to work at all. And then at the end of the race, of course, he goes back on the hards and they work perfectly. So it's I, nobody really understands what's going on with the car. This seems to be kind of a, um, a performance window that it's so narrow that if you're not in it, it's unpredictable. That's what I was going to ask you because it seems like the upgrades are effective, but they can't, they're not extracting everything out of it. And they're not, and it, yeah. it, I don't think it was premature to bring the upgrades, but it just seems like you hate to see these upgrades happen and then you actually fall back in the standings a little bit. You know, you, yeah, you hate to see it go to waste. And I, I don't think that it helped that Leclerc had to start from the pits and. Yeah, science kind of he challenged going into the first corner and then he just fell off a cliff. He was nowhere. It's tough. It was tough to see. It was a tough qualifying for uh, Leclerc, and uh, like you said, he had to start in the pits because they made those adjustments. And it's just uh, it's got to be disheartening for the Ferrari fans out there to see that. But you know, potentially going forward, they'll get a handle on that. And in Canada, um, maybe they'll they'll have that all ironed out. But I know Leclerc was really. Um, not frustrated, I would say, but he just seemed to be really saying, like, we need to get back to the factory. We need to get back to the factory. Like, he felt something yeah. in that car that maybe no one even picked up in the simulators or the wind tunnels or anything. And uh, it's just interesting because, yeah. yeah. It, I'm not sure if it was something that was actually, like, fundamentally wrong with maybe the structure of the car, maybe something in the rear end. They did swap the entire rear end. Um, I think that's. I think that was why they started from the pits. Um, because they've changed the whole rear end under Park Ferme. Um, but, I mean, what what else are they going to be able to throw? I mean, I feel like they've already thrown the kitchen sink at this thing, and they still can't figure out what this little gremlin is that won't allow them to unlock the performance of this car. I think it has, it has pace once they find that setup window. Kind of like Mercedes last year, where towards the end of the year, they finally started to figure out their car a little bit. Exactly. They were able to get some performance. But it's kind of the same thing right now for Ferrari, but to a lesser lack of performance scale, as we saw from Mercedes last year. Right. It, that's a good point. That's a really good comparison to Mercedes last year. At the start of the year, they had all that that bouncing and porpoising and all that, and they couldn't really get a handle on it till the second half of the year. And by then, they're just you know chasing their own tail at that point. Um, but yeah. it, it seems like this year, their, their upgrades, on the other hand, did... Um, you mentioned it before Monaco that we might not see the performance um, in Monaco because it's such a tight course, and and that really was the case. But this weekend in in Barcelona, they really did um, they unlocked something in that car that I, I think everybody on that pit wall and in that garage could walk away with a good feeling about where that car is headed. Maybe for the first time in two two and a half years. Yeah, I think that they should have their heads held high after this weekend and definitely look forward to Canada with a little bit more uh, pep in their step, as you would say. Um, I think that they're just going to be limited now, not just by the budget, but by the original design of the car and the way that the tub was made um, and the tub was shaped. You can only do so much to restructure that without just changing the entire car, which obviously would cost way too much money right now yeah they said they're um, not gonna not gonna mess with the chassis at all it's going to be so it's no just, I, yeah. I i don't i don't think you can it's kind of the same thing with ferrari where they can they can mold the side pods a little bit but they can't really 
really get into the fundamentals of that new design until they make next year's car and they can build around that design instead of just adapting it to a current uh, chassis. Yeah, it's tough. It's that's the cost cap era, and that's what it's designed for—to keep that you know keep things competitive and make you have to bring your best. And if you don't bring your best, you might have to wait till next year to really reset and and reload. So it's interesting, and it, you know it's interesting that uh, I don't know if you saw, but we saw the return of a little bit of a punchy Christian Horner after the race on Sunday talking about cost caps for Mercedes and talking yes. about George Russell should be getting penalty. And, you know, that's classic Horner. But uh, I don't know. I don't think he's nervous about 2023 at all, but I think he could be seeing a little bit of that gap or maybe a little bit of a development wall in front of them and some room for the teams behind him. What do you think about that? Well, I think that obviously it's inevitable that these teams close up at some point. It's just a matter of time. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – He's cautious to be. Uh, what, what would you say? Um, I think he's cautious to be just kind of like relaxed about it, right? Might, because there's obviously still that threat that they could take that next, another next step, and be right up on their heels again. But you don't want to get complacent and put yourself in that situation. So he's. You know, he's having fun with it right now because he knows he's got, obviously, the best car in the grid yeah. when you win by 24 seconds. I mean, you can't really argue that. That's obscene. Um, that was obscene. Oh, it's, it's un, it, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I think that right now we're kind of seeing more of a perfect harmony between man and machine than we saw with Hamilton when he was so dominant in 2020. Of, I think that... Verstappen is so in tune with his car right now. And, I mean, you kind of saw it where he was just kind of cruising and he kept asking what the fastest lap was. And even though he had the the track limits warning and Horner told him just be careful because the next one's a black and white flag. And then he goes and puts in the fastest lap just, just because. Just because you can. And effortlessly. Eff- I mean, effortlessly. he did it like, you know, that's the thing is like – you. We, I don't know if you listened, but I was thinking over the weekend where you don't even know if you're catching Red Bull because Max could be going at 85%, 90%. He could be holding back, you know, so when he goes and just rips off the fastest lap at the end of the race by like, you know, a half a second. Yeah, which is incredible because he was on on very used tires. I think they were, I think it was a set of hards too. I think it was a used set of hards at the end of a race and Perez was, or I, I think it was Perez that he took the fastest lap away from, but whoever it was, they were on like a, a brand new set of soft or medium tires and he was faster by half a second. It, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And he didn't and even have DRS, which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. To think right. About. So, I mean, as much as you might think, Hey, we're catching up or things are, you know, tightening. I, I'm not sure that's really the case. I think it's going to take some really bad luck on uh, Max's oh, yeah. side this to, is, to have anyone. It's it's his championship you know. to lose, for sure. There's no, I don't even think that's even a, a question anymore. I don't think Perez is going to be able to challenge him anymore. Um, he, keeps, no. he keeps making – he makes too many mistakes right now um, to be able to actually put up a title challenge. If, if you're going to put up a title challenge, you can't be making silly – errors like going off into the gravel and ruining your soft tires 
during qualifying. You can't make any errors. You can't make anything. Max, you have to be perfect. You know, it, every weekend. Because he really. And and I wonder, you know, he hasn't had to really drive in any kind of competitive traffic this year, no. uh, Max. And and I almost wonder if he wishes he could. Like, if he wishes he could start at the back of the grid and see if he could work his oh, way I'm all sure the way up does. to the front. Because I'm sure he does. I think he's just on a road trip out there. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's like twenty four seconds ahead. You're just you're on cruise control. You're not even you're not even trying. You're not pushing the car as hard as you can to catch somebody. Um, you're not having to, to work hard to defend. You, you all you have to do is put it in cruise control and just keep going. I think he I think he really does miss those battles like we saw last year with Leclerc, especially at the start of the season where I mean they were just going back and forth, back and forth, and it was just it was a dogfight all the time. Um, and it was fun. It was fun to watch and fun to race. Oh you absolutely. Know? Yeah. I and I miss it too. I think a lot of people do. I, nobody wants to see this kind of dominance. I mean, when it comes around you have to have in some ways appreciate it because of just it, you're never going to see something like this again. I think we said something like that when Hamilton was on his run too, but this is different. And I, I think one of the, one of the things that gets me with Verstappen is that I don't know if you've ever seen his, uh, or rebels videos that they do before the race where they show him doing like a simulation of the track. Um, on like no, I haven't seen one it. of the Formula One games, I think. And they have like a camera pointed at his face, and he looks like a robot. Like it's it's unbelievable. It's he doesn't blink. He's got zero facial expression. It's just pure concentration on just going as fast as possible all the time. I've seen some videos of him playing, you know, like playing video game racing games where he's just got his World Drivers Championship, just like. Yep. On the desk next to him, like it's a piece it's of a, like a paperweight. It's like, uh, what are you? Unbelievable. He's, uh, but you know, I, I, you got to give him the credit, and you got to give Red Bull the credit because uh, it's just to see dominance like that. It's everyone, every piece came together. You know, one hundred percent, one person. I'm not taking so. any of that away from Red Bull this year. They've, they've come up with a car that is by, by and large, the best, and it's not even close. And all they have to do now is just continue to refine that design while everybody else is playing catch up. Right. Right. Everyone else is scrambling and they just need to, you know, tweak this here, tweak that there. And the cost cap that uh, penalty that they have isn't going to even, it's no. not even going to affect them in the slightest. Because they, you know, they don't have uh, to spend that much time in the wind tunnel as it is. <laughs> right. Right. They're, uh, did you, know, so far did, out did you, did you see the, um, the floor comparison, the underside of the floor comparison between, Red Bull and Williams. I, I did. I posted that. Will, One was Williams, like this. Williams looks like they had like a two-year-old. They had very, very basic <laughs> like understanding of yeah. aerodynamics. Sheet metal. Yeah. You know, and then Red Bulls is like the like a fine artist. Every little there's like little bumps and ridges all over the place to control it, the airflow. And it the almost Williams looked like there was no floor. Out. Yeah, like like the Red Bull almost looked like there's like no floor, like it's all these curves and contours, yeah. and like there's that and strike every plate underneath. Thing but that's has about it. purpose. Right, right. There's no wasted space anywhere on that car. No, and you just wonder how. And I mean, that shows where where it's easy to pick on Williams right now, but how does Williams not? I mean, that car, the bottom of that car looks so basic that like, how do they not realize that that you know? I mean. 
I just ah, I think just, they're, it, it, I think they're so different. I think they're so constrained as being the small team that they are, and they don't have the best engineers. They don't have the best designers um, as sure. far as that kind sure. of thing goes. Uh, they don't have the best technical staff. But I mean, you got to come up with something better than just a flat floor. I mean, you had to put something into it. You know, I, I feel like that was like the most basic. Thing that they could do and I, i'm not saying that i'm not saying that i could have done any better by any means but i mean it, it just it looks so bland and plain and you can see by the way that car drives that it needs a lot more help it does and if you if you out there want to see what we're talking about i've got that somewhere on our instagram page i've got that uh, screen grab of of the two side by side and it really is worth checking out because it just shows the difference and it shows and it's so interesting that in formula one you can have those differences where a lot of sport you know things are standardized and in in formula one it's not it's your it's up to you to get creative and to do your do your best and do your work and that's part of the sport is the engineering and the the you know everyone back in the in uh the factory is just as much a part of the team and the development and the winning as the driver you know so you can't blame logan Sargent for being the back marker when it's the whole team. They just don't have as much resources and they don't have as much to, to put into the car, which is kind of sad. It is sad. But it's also, you know, and, it is what it is. And not to defend Sargent because he's an American, but I am defending him as a rookie because he's not doing that much worse than Albon. Albon's had a Formula One seat for years and years now. Um, so right. he has that experience and he's not even doing that much better than Sargent is. I mean, you would expect somebody like him to be miles ahead of him on the road, but sure, Sargent's had his mistakes, but all rookies make mistakes. I mean, that's part of the learning process. You just can't make too many of them. Right, right. And there's, and it's it's the car, too. You know, part of it, a big part of it is just he's in an inferior vehicle, and what can you do? You know, they're out there fighting as hard as they can, like everybody else, but... It's tough to see because not too long ago I was looking at this at the constructors and you know there was a big bunching in the middle and even Williams was like we've got a point and you know but now they still just have that one point yeah and, uh, tough to see tough to see but um, so you know I enjoyed this oh Go ahead. I, I'm sorry I, I just I want to say uh, just to get back to the the weekend um, what do you think of the penalty on Yuki well that's that's where I was going because. You know, I really enjoyed the midfield battle this week. There was a was lot really of overtaking. Good. Really good. There was a lot of yeah, it was great. It was up and down, and so that penalty on Yuki, he was having a great race. He was, I think, he was at seventh when that happened, seventh or eighth. He was up in the point. I think, I think he was like seventh or eighth. Yeah, one of the two. I'm not sure. When I watched it live, I thought he pushed him off. I thought that he pushed off the Alfa Romeo into the um, exit or the emergency road there. But then when you took another look at it, I don't know. I think he gave him room and it's tough, tough time to give a five second penalty at that point in the race to. Oh yeah. Especially when the field behind him is still pretty close because it goes from you're fighting over one position to, or to lose one position. And then you have a penalty that makes you lose three. Like it just it doesn't so, it doesn't really make sense to have a penalty like that. Like I, I I get it from a racing perspective that he he probably could have left a little bit more room. Was it on the edge? Yes. 
but do we see guys like Verstappen when they go side by side into a corner run the guy out of room every single time? And right. And forces the guy to make that defensive move to back out of it or take the escape road. But it certainly wasn't egregious. No, it wasn't, it wasn't um, like he was slashing across the front wing and like really egregiously forcing him off the track. He was just they were just there side by side and the eight the apex of the next corner was coming as they were exiting the first corner. And it's it just in, he ran out of room, plain and simple. But you know, and he did have to take that escape road. But I don't think that was necessarily just because of Yuki's being side by side with him. I think that you know, one, one of them was going to have to back out, and that's just ended up happening. I guess I don't know. It was it, it was tough to see, especially earlier in the race. I thought um, Esteban Ocon defending against Fernando oh, I Alonso that was, was much a lot more, more egregious. Yeah, that that seemed like uh, really late, a really late move. Very, very late move. More dangerous. Yeah. So interesting why they applied that to Yuki Sonoda, and I don't know if you saw the pictures of him after the race, but he was absolutely gutted. Oh, I and, I, and uh, I don't blame him because, like I said, he went from defending himself from losing one position to having a penalty that makes him lose three, and, and I, I think uh, it dropped him out of the points. It did. It knocked him out of the points, and I'm not sure if those would have been his first career points, but. Uh, you know, he's just such a, he's a likable character and you want to see him succeed and to have something like that kind of ruin your whole weekend is really, uh, oh, yeah. really tough. And it, it might go to, um, to Gunther Steiner's point about the needing for professional stewards yes. during the race. Or at because, least have uh, like the same, the same people every week because we used to have, uh, Charlie Whiting. He used to be the, the, the sporting, I think sporting director, um, Yep. But he was just—he was basically just the one that was in charge of making these calls. Um, but after he passed away, so each... after he passed away, it's just been like this revolving door of people, and it's a different person every race. So you have a different thought process every race, and you can right. have—you can have the same guy do the same move two races in a row. But because there's two different people looking at it, they might not see it the same exact way. One might think it's a little right. bit egregious. The other one's like, oh, you know what? It's a racing incident. They're racing. It's fine. But it's it's right. such and a crap. Right. It's such a crapshoot. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't like it. I know a lot of people didn't like it, and uh, it, and it's tough. So how does that work? Does each uh, circuit have their own steward? Is that what it is now, or is I, it just I'm they assign sure. somebody? I, I think it. Yeah, I think it's somebody assigned by the FIA in Formula One that comes in and oversees the stewarding process um they kind of have the whole they have the gavel in a sense <laughs> the gavel they've yeah and i mean uh, it's tough it's tough you've got to apply things evenly across the board and it, it didn't seem like that was the case for uh, alfatari and yuki sonoda but on to canada and i'm sure yuki's looking on to canada as well oh, and yeah. uh so i guess that's that's where we'll head next and um what do you anticipate seeing in in the Canadian Grand Prix, and what are the what are the highlights a, a newbie should look for up in the circuit? Is it in Montreal? Montreal? It is in Montreal, so it's like yeah, four and a half, five hours north of where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, so it'd be a pretty yeah. it'd be a pretty easy race for me to get to if I really wanted to. Maybe that's something to do one day. Maybe next year. I've been, or one of these I've been years, wanting that's... to for a long time now. I've I've really had it on. Uh, it's 
always been one of my favorite tracks. Gilles Villeneuve is Villeneuve. Wow, I butchered the first take of that name. Um, so sorry, Gilles. Um, <laughs> but it's always been one of my favorite tracks. Uh, it's just, it's very fat. It's a fast track. It's in a way, it's a lot like Monza. Um, it's just a, it's a fast track. I love the corners and it's always kind of been one of my favorites to drive on the F1 games. I just, I like the way that it flows. Um, even though it doesn't have a whole lot going on for it, but, um, it's funny you say that I spent some time last night doing some qualifying laps on the, on the course up there. And I will say playing those games does give you a feel for the track and for, the corners and I, I can identify turns now turn three turn four yep. you know just from being playing in the game which you know it's a video game but it's a simulator as well so that, that's how uh, that's kind of how i learned all the different tracks and like somebody could show me like a picture of one corner and no name on the track for the track or anything i can tell you what what track and what corner just from playing pretty. just from playing these games and i'm just like i'm sure these formula one drivers could <laughs> like the, you, you know i it's crazy, and I saw um, this week they actually had a bunch of those guys playing the new F1 2023, and uh, it's just funny watching these Formula One drivers playing the video game and, and still oh, yeah. being like, they're young guys, so they're still kind of like kids in a way, oh, yeah. but they're also professional drivers. It's a, it's an interesting thing to watch because like they're playing against guys like you and me on you know F1 2022 or 23, and it's like... I don't know. I just wonder sometimes if I'm in a Grand Prix against Lando Norris or something and push him off the road if he's over there <laughs> freaking out, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's, it is a good way though. It's a good way to get a feel for the schedule, the tracks yeah. and all of that. So, so, so what, what, are you, uh, what are your, what are your predictions for Canada? Because I think that I, Ferrari has tended to be strong there, but obviously I think Red Bull has a straight line advantage. It's, just not even arguable anymore um so i think it'll probably be rebel again taking the top spot could it be unless a, something goes wrong could it be an them. aston martin i would like could to, see, I would like to see aston martin get on with it um they they're better through some of the faster corners so this that might help them a little bit but i think that rebel being the king of the straights right now it's it's going to be very uh, tough to beat them around around Montreal. So, so, so let's think of it like I like I did with the NRBCC, the non Red Bull constructors title or championship. <laughs> I like. What that. about the not the non the NRBCGP, the non Red Bull Canadian Grand Prix? Who okay. do you think would be? Uh, who do you expect at the front? Which, when you think about it, this this season would be pretty good if Red Bull was, wasn't a team right now. <laughs> great. I think be a great season. It would yeah. be a fantastic season. Um, but they're not, and they're here, and they're winning all seven <laughs> races so far. Um, they're real, and they're spectacular. They are. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Aston Martin, they had a slight drop in performance in Spain. Um, I'm not sure if they just couldn't get the setup quite right or their the conditions were not in their favor but they just they were a little bit on the back foot but i think they could come back stronger again um in canada and then i also think that mercedes will probably well it's going to be the telltale if they maintain that level of pace then it wasn't a fluke because they were kind of good at spain in barcelona last year but then right. none of the other races, really. So 
there's kind of a false right, dawn in that's a way. True. So it's it's going to be kind of a telltale to see if these upgrades are actually working the way they're supposed to. How would you compare uh, Canada to Spain? What would be the differences where the performance would drop or change? You know, like are there more corners, less corners? What what would you say the difference between well, the two would be? There, there's less corners. It's less dependent on downforce because you have so many so many uh, areas where it's all power. Um, you have some you know faster right left corners, but the majority of which is going to be down to straight line speed. So just straight on, straight speed. And uh, it's, it's just, I, I I don't know enough yet to know, you know, who that favors or who, what tracks are fast, what tracks are slow. But I, I just think it's really interesting. Like, you've got Mercedes and Ferrari kind of around Aston Martin. It seems like Aston Martin's got a little bit of both kind of going on. And they've got a little bit of the Red Bull design. But it just, it seems like they're picking from each design around them. And you're getting like a hybrid of all yeah. the all the different cars which is kind of an interesting it is interesting and, way to and go they, about it and they said they were talking about it uh, at the beginning of the year where they kind of had the tub design of the ferrari but they had it um or they had the scallop design of ferrari but then they had these channels that were a lot like red bull and then the actual side pod shell itself was a lot like red bull um so it really was kind of a combination of the two best teams from last year and it's working right. pretty well um, whether they are going to be able to, they need to start developing it more though I think is what's going to start catching them is that if they don't start getting upgrades onto the car that really push the car forward they're going to sink right back into that midfield it's interesting and I saw a video this week I don't know if you know this they just opened a brand new their brand new facility they yep. have all new and I saw a video tour of it and everything and I've got to say if you could have picked a year to to work for Aston Martin, this would have been it. <laughs> they just have top of the line stuff, and and you know that um, Big Daddy Stroll is not gonna um, pinch pennies when it comes to no. trying to get them any advantage at all. In uh, well, they they had been the development. They had been using Mercedes wind tunnel, and they're using Mercedes engine, Mercedes gearbox, basically Mercedes rear end, and they're they had been doing better than the works team that they had been doing better than Mercedes using their own wind tunnel, using their own parts. <laughs> so it, it was just weird. So, but, but to kind of get back to Aston Martin a little bit, Stroll needs to pick up his performances a little bit because I know his dad basically owns the team. Well, he, his dad owns the team, but right. there's always that chance of like, Hey, if, Obviously, Alonso's showing what this car really can do. I know Stroll has had a had a bad wrist for the first few races. I'm sure that's probably healed by now. But if he doesn't start getting more performance out of the car, then I I wouldn't put it past him to try looking elsewhere for people to put in that in that seat. Because you're, you're not the first you're person I've heard points. say that. You're losing points yeah. every race you go out there where Stroll is battling for tenth place. Would you would you say he's in the danger zone then of potentially um, getting dropped? I mean, I have my thoughts on who could be uh, in the danger zone, but you think Lance is really? It's interesting with his father owning the team, though. Would they really drop him? And uh, I think I think they would, know? but I think it's you know he's going to have to have a series of bad performances and. 
to justify keeping him, he's going to have to have a series of good performances. Um, he's right. going to have to string them together instead of just having like these one-off good performances. I mean, he, he did pretty well in Barcelona. I'll give him that. He right. did, he did he, a I fantastic job. Yeah. But I think that he needs to show much more of that because he hasn't been this year, and I think it will put him in jeopardy. Well, and Fernando uh, was going to blow past him, but he decided to be a good teammate and help him and help defend a little bit because that P6 could have probably been. I mean, if Leclerc had a little better weekend and Fernando did pass, I mean, he's looking at, like you said, right around 8th or 9th yep. or 10th. And there we are again, just getting a point or two. And that that is killer over the long term. It is. And it's tough. It, it's really tough, though, because if he continues in the middle – what do you do? You've got a decision to make. Oh, 100% um, he does. It's interesting. So, but I know we didn't put this on our uh No, but I'm, gl- I'm glad we talked talk about, about it. I'm th- I'm, I'm very happy that we talked about it. Um who would you who else would you say could be um at this point in the year could be, you know, maybe on the hot seat? Do you have any drivers that um you think could be cuz silly season is not too far away and uh I I hate to I say mean, it, from, but uh, Valtteri, uh, I think that yeah. I think he just he has just not been on it this year. Um, yeah. He's had he's and, been struggling this year, and I don't know if that's just him coming out of his prime, or he just can't get to handles with this car. Um, but he's slowly true, but surely his making his finished, way out of this team. Yeah, his teammate finished in the points this week, and he was I think nineteenth. So yeah, that's. I think I think you're right. I think you're right on the nose. Uh, I was thinking about it over the weekend. I think between between Valtteri and Nick DeVries, those are two guys that are not really getting the performance out of the vehicle compared to their teammates. And I think I think that's a disappointing disappointing thing in those garages because Valtteri sure. they brought him on there to kind of help lead and, and be a bit of a you know stable presence. And he's really you're right. He just sinks like a stone every race. It's terrible. Yeah, you it's can't really develop the car. Or get positive performance out of the car, you know your upgrades. If one of your guys is supposed to be the guy who's really helping you develop the car, is at the back all the time. It's tough. It's tough. So we'll see. We'll see in yeah. Canada if uh, you know. So do you have any like uh, Canadian Grand Prix? Like, is there something as an F1 fan? Like, oh, remember that Canadian Grand Prix where this happened? Or twenty eleven? Are there any big? 2011, what happened? 2011 was just, it was a crazy, crazy race. Uh, Jensen Button ended up winning the race, but he had, he was at the back of the pack like two or three different times. Um, there's a, it rained during the race, so it was a very wet track. He came together with his teammate Hamilton on the uh, front straight, broke his wing, had to go back into the pits, and then at the end of the race, he was like, yeah, one of the first people to go on slicks, and he was just blitzing everybody, and he started reeling Vettel in, who was comfortably in the lead the entire race, and he forced Vettel into an error, which never happens. Mm, um, right. And he ended up getting the win, and it was unbelievable, because like I said, he'd been in the pits like three or four different times, at, I think at least that. Um I want to. I think I'm going to go back and rewatch some of that race, or at least the highlights, because it was just a phenomenal race, and 
definitely a nail biter and one of those where you're like, oh my god, he he might come back, and you're just watching the timing all the time and watching that gap close and close and close and close. And you're thinking, oh man, he he might do it. He might get closer. At least he's gonna have a shot at this. And then Vettel puts it a foot wide going into one of the corners, gets his right tires on the on the damp part of the track, goes wide, lets Button uh, through, and Button wins the race. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna have to put that on the watch list. That does sound like a pretty good one. That it's, does sound it's like, an amazing uh, race. 2011, you said 2011 Canadian Grand Prix. Yep, and you're also going to love it because the cars had the V8s back then and they said uh, amazing. Uh, oh, 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 yeah. That's, uh, Speaking of which, what do you think sounds better, Indy cars or Formula One cars? Oh, man, the Indy cars sound great. They do. They sound like uh, Formula One cars, uh, even when I started watching, I said they just don't sound like they're moving like that. You know, they're so, like, they're high pitched and a little whiny. Yeah. Um, but the indie car just sounds like uh, sounds like what you picture racing sounds like, you know that that real like, meow. and um, I don't know. I, I think indie cars are a lot of fun. I think it's uh, definitely getting my attention and something. Even you know, as as a Formula One fan and growing into indie car, they kind of go together and they'll both help me learn about racing in general. Yeah, you know a little bit more and uh, what goes into it and. You know, I, I just need to learn a little bit more about the drivers on the IndyCar series, yeah. but uh, well, I, it's great. I think, I, I I think, think the, the pros and cons to these is that like Formula One is is fantastic if you want to get into like the technical aspect of things and want a bespoke car for each team, and you know that's amazing. I and I love that. I absolutely love that about Formula One that every team has a different car. They're all different in in different ways, and you can identify them if you look at them and took the paint off. But what I love about IndyCar is how close and competitive it can be and how there's 10 drivers at least every every Sunday that have a chance at, at a win. And there's so much strategy uh, involved. It's chaotic, there's, there's, too. You know, they yeah. have a, a primary and an alternate tire. One's a hard, one's a soft compound, and they can refuel. So, I mean, it's, it's fantastic to watch. That's one thing I, I've noticed when I watch IndyCar. Just the chaos in the pit lane. I mean, compared to Formula One where you're in and out in 2.5 seconds and it's all just perfectly synchronized. The pit lane in IndyCar is like, it can be it's a chaos war zone. down there. <laughs> yeah, like things, people are flying all over the place. Things are going, I mean, because, you know, Formula One, there's barely ever more than one car in the pit at a time. But in IndyCar, it's like... I don't know. I don't. It's a different animal down there. It just feels like you're at a frat party or something compared to, uh, <laughs> you know, tea time at Formula One. It's it's different. It's very different. But yeah, I enjoy it. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. And one thing I, I'm gonna uh, try to enjoy for the first time this weekend is the. I'm gonna say it wrong again, but it's the 24 hour Le Mans. Yep, 24 uh, hours Le Mans. And so, give me the rundown on that before before we head into the weekend because. Um, we've talked a little bit about it off air, but just like, where is it and, and what should I be looking for when I, when I turn that on? So the race is held in France, uh, Le Mans, France. It's, this is the hundredth anniversary of this race. So you're actually picking a pretty oh. cool year to watch it. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm sure this they're going to be doing a lot of, uh, stuff pre-race to celebrate like all the, all the cars that have won and stuff like that. Um, if you want a good movie that delves into one of the races, uh, Ford, Ford versus Ferrari is a fantastic one to watch or 
Steve McQueen's, Le- I think it was Steve McQueen's Le Mans, I think is the name of the movie. Um, okay. But he does a fantastic job. Now, that's an old movie, but it's a great movie. Um, but yeah, so this is the, the centennial race. So kind of the basics to know, there's, I think, four four categories or four different yeah four different categories so there's um your lmp ones or the um the hybrids the lmp you know, hybrids i can't i can't ever remember the name for it i mean i know over here in imso they have uh gtp so i'm just going to call them gtp but they're right. it's like the top level prototypes that are just they're spaceships um and there's a bunch of yeah, different I've seen some manufacturers. Okay, okay. Because, yeah, I've seen, like, uh, it. I've been confused looking at the lead-up to it because it looks like there's all sorts of different cars on the track. Yep. And I'm like, what's, there are. you know, what's going on here? So yeah. so the so, other, the other, so they have the, the top-level prototype class. They have a LMP2 class, which is kind of like a step below it. Um, and then you have GTE Pro, which is teams comprised of pro drivers uh, driving GT cars, so like Ferraris and Porsche 911s and Aston Martins and stuff like that. And then you have the same type of cars in a different class that are called GTE uh, Am for amateur. And I think the team is supposed to have at least one amateur driver um, per car. So like Patrick Dempsey... um, who was on Grey's Anatomy, he used to, well, he, I think he, he owns a team and he runs a team at Le Mans and he used to drive for that team as well. Huh, um, really? Yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. I share that with my girlfriend all the time when we watch Grey's Anatomy. I'm like, I know him. He used to, he races cars. Um, <laughs> so, and what's special about this year though is that we have what's called a Garage 56 entry. Garage 56 is very special little months and that it's kind of for like experimental purposes. If okay. you look back a few years ago, they had something called the Delta wing. Um, it was like this prototype, um, just crazy looking car that they were like, you know what we want to see. It's kind of like a, like a test bed in a way it's made to be like a test bed for performance. Um, huh? So that's what all those different used for. And then, so this year, NASCAR has a car over there. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports modified a an existing uh, NASCAR Cup car, then one of the next gen cars, and they put a whole bunch of downforce elements onto it, so it creates more downforce. The I think the engine puts out a little bit more power. Um, they put headlights and taillights on it, which looks awesome. I'm not going to lie. It looks fantastic to see actual headlights on a NASCAR. Um, I got to check that and the out. Thing yeah. sounds awesome. I'll, I'll send you a video when we're done this, but it sounds amazing. Um, but it's, it's cool because it's not technically it's not involved in the race. It's not like classified in the race. Um, so like you can't, I I don't think it can win. Like if everybody else crashes out, um, <laughs> like I don't think it would technically win. Or I mean, not everybody, but like you know, um, right. But what they're saying is that after the first 
uh, test session that it's lapping faster than the GTE cars. So it's somewhere between oh, wow. the LMP2s and the GTEs. So it's 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 unbelievable. <laughs> that's it's, that's it's pretty, pretty cool. wild. That's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So so let me, let me just one thing I'm confused about when I think about this is a yeah, 24 hour race, right? Yes. It's not like X amount of laps or nope. like it's, are it's they going timed. the most distance? Yep. So, so it, it, it's it's based on distance. Um but it's for it's a 24 hour race it's time time is always running even under under cautions red flags everything um time doesn't stop um and and it's just who travels the farthest distance in that time is that what it it's, is it's who travels the farthest but obviously you want to be the one that, that's in the lead of the race as well it's more who's in the lead of the race as well um okay but yeah right so like is it is is it cl- like are they c- close neck and neck the whole way or do these do they end up like um you know do these cards end up like minutes apart from each other they, or is it like they you know? can be um past few years in gt the finish has been pretty close within a few seconds um or you know any anything inside of 30 seconds when it's a 24 hour race is pretty astonishing um Right, but yeah, you can amazing. also have cars that break down with a minute to go, which is what happened with Toyota. A few, I think, I think it was like 2016. They were leading. It was like their their debut year, their first year. They ran Le Mans with um, when they came back, and they had some fuel issue with like a minute to huh. go. They were about to start the final lap. 23 hours and 57 minutes and they lost it with three minutes ago i mean that's got to be the worst feeling in the world it's the worst feeling it's gotta be that's tough that's tough definitely like uh definitely tune in for it or at least some of it there's live streams on youtube all the time um a lot of teams will put out live streams so you can watch just their car the entire 24 hours um or oh, i'm definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna watch it it's it sounds right up my alley it's, really it's fun and, it's you know it's it's it looks complicated but once you kind of get into it a little bit more it's much easier to understand yeah and i feel like i feel like the start is pretty wild to watch with all those different types of cars out there and everything kind oh it's of, awesome <laughs> you know it's just yeah it's like a, a big pot of stew with all sorts of stuff in it all going at once it's kind of neat that's pretty yeah, cool yeah what you what you'll see is that the first few minutes are like the first hour or so is just jockeying for position and then everybody kind of settles in and then the last couple of like two or three hours is when it ramps back up again a lot because that's when it's like it's coming down to the wires and you know push now push now um but then like the rest that's of the race great. it's just a war of attrition. You get, you can't win the race if you don't survive. That's I, I I'm into it. I'm gonna check it out this weekend. We don't have any Formula One this weekend, so I'm definitely gonna check that out. And I'm gonna watch those the uh, Grand Prix that you told me the 2011 Canadian yep. Grand Prix. I'll I'll send you links and, to stuff when we're done here. Yeah, please do because this is uh, this is always evolving. You know, it started with yeah. Formula One, but it's just a growing thing and. It's a lot of fun, and, and, and like I kind of said, to... like I kind of said at the beginning of this, is that I I'm a Formula One fan through and through, but 
I'm also a motorsports fan through and through, and I the reason sure. why I bring these things up is not to you know overshadow the Formula One side of this thing, but also to kind of shed light on these other types of motorsport that other people who are listening might be into or might want to dip their toes into, and um, because it, well, that's any, exactly any motorsport that any motorsport can be fun to watch. Right. And, and you're kind of talking to people like me, you know, that are getting into it and maybe looking for new things to watch and new something new to follow. So, I mean, you've definitely helped me expand my knowledge and, and expand my um, view of motorsport. You know, it, it's widened quite a bit just over the past few months. And uh, I hope we do that for people out there who might be checking this out, too. I hope so. You know, for something to listen to. Maybe they, they've never heard of some of these races before or some of these... Um, you know, different things that we bring up every week because we tend to, you know, go off the rails a little bit and talk about this and that. And But that's, that's part put, of it. That's part of having the fun cast, right? That's it. That's why we do it. That's why we do it and we're having fun. <laughs> and, I mean, we could come on here and do an episode talking about our best grilled cheese recipes. I don't care. As long as we're having <laughs> I mean, fun. I mean, you know, gr- I have a pretty good grilled cheese recipe. Just, just saying. <laughs> I'll have to check it out pretty soon. <laughs> but, uh... Oh man, now you're getting me hungry. So, I think I think we're at our record here, uh, Chief. With over, I'm at over 50 minutes since we started recording. I think that's yeah, pretty good. It's, it's I think a, we're, it's we're getting good, better. It's a pretty good episode, right there. I'd say. Yeah, I, I think so. So, I guess uh, before we hit that hour mark, we might as well get out of here. Any any other anything else you want to let people know about going on in the world of motorsport or in the world of uh, in your world that you want to get out there? Um, no. Just uh, check out check out IndyCar. Dip your toes into it. You know, watch that video. Formula One has a highlights video for the 2011 Canadian Grand Prix. I urge you to watch it if you want to get to see what I was talking about because it was a phenomenal race. Um, and then also watch stuff on YouTube about the build-up for Le Mans this year. I mean, cars are already out on track. There's all sorts of cars to, to look at and watch and listen, especially to listen because... Just the ambient noise of these cars going round and round is unbelievable. Um, and, yeah, if you're a motorhead like me that just loves anything that goes fast on four wheels or even on two wheels, speaking of which, the Isle of Man time trials are happening or have already happened, which is unbelievable to watch as it is. Um, yeah, check these things out because the more you know about motorsports, is the better off you can be. Well, since Chief said the more you know... I think we're going to get out of here. That's a good sign for us. The more you know, the more we share, the better we all are together. So I appreciate you jumping on here this week again, Connor. Anytime. And I appreciate you guys all out there listening to us. Listen, It's been great. It's been great. And we're getting more feedback and more followers every week. And, and we're not doing it for the followers or doing it for anything. But we're just we, – we want you to listen. We want to share our knowledge with you. And hopefully we keep doing this and keep Most interacting. Most importantly, and, we just uh, want to have fun, man. That's that's all. That's, that's all I'm doing this for is to to have fun and talk and share my passion for motorsport with you and everybody else. That's it. So I think that's a good note. I want uh, just want to let everyone know that you can find all our stuff online. We're all over the place now. Anywhere you look at F1 Funcast, send us an email. I got an email this week, but it was kind of I'm not sure if it was uh, AI generated or something. So I'm not going to read it here today, but. Uh, Check us out. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out Facebook, wherever. And uh, we're always down to talk motorsports with you guys. 
And with that being said, I see the checker flag ahead, Chief. We're going to get out of here. All right. See you guys.